you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. Hi, I'm Reverend Jennifer Nordstrom, and I serve as the senior minister at the First Unitarian Society of Milwaukee, and I'm really honored to be able to join you all this morning. Thank you so much for having me. When the pandemic began, there was a flurry of activity in the sudden silence of stay at home. People made plans for writing the great American novel or for learning a new language or for finally building that back deck. I saw neighbors with new gardens, neighbors painting their houses, fix-it project after fix-it project. I had my own designs on improvement as well. I remember calling a fellow minister and proposing a weekly spiritual practice of theological reflection. I planned to set up a morning call with a different minister each day of the week for theological reflection in pandemic times. We were going to have so much time and we were going to do so many things with it. I feel a little sheepish looking back at it now, but in my best moments, I have compassion for the person I was in those first few earnest weeks of not knowing. I didn't know. I didn't know how exhausting the pandemic would be with its daily assault on the stress response system, its anxiety, its collective grief and trauma, let alone its specific tragedies and crises and challenges, as well as the second pandemic of racism and white supremacy that erupted again in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. What I really want now is rest. That's a hard thing to admit in our capitalist society, worth is tied to productivity. We must produce in order to be valuable. But human bodies and minds and spirits are not designed for endless productivity. Like every living thing on earth, we must rest. Centuries of farmers have learned to let the fields lie fallow for a season. Even the ground must rest. 
In recent American capitalism, there has been some controversy about this practice because a fallow field doesn't produce profits. But not growing anything for a season lets the ground replenish its nutrients. Fallowing the soil, as it's called, increases carbon, nitrogen, organic matter, and beneficial microorganisms in the soil, making it more fertile. During the fallow season, potassium and phosphorus rise up from deep in the earth and replenish the very ground. In the fallow season, the ground improves its capacity to hold life-giving water, making it more nourishing to future plants. Rest makes the ground more fertile, more nourishing, and more creative. Letting a field lie fallow for a year increases the crop yield when it's planted the following year. The ground needs an entire year to rest and to heal. What do you think the ground of your being needs to rest and to heal? Stillness is creative ground because creativity works in rhythm with rest. Stillness has a relationship with movement, just as the notes in a piece of jazz music are held by silence. Stillness is the frame for the notes, just as rest is the frame for teeming life and night is the frame for day. They're not opposed to one another. Rather, they are each other's partners. Stillness is the ground for creativity. It is the rest that creates the next thing. In the stillness, nutrients are accumulating. They're building up. Phosphorus is literally rising up from the deep, bearing light and power in the nourishing dark night. In the 14th century, the bubonic plague stalked Europe. It arrived on the shores of England in 1348, when the famous Christian mystic Julian of Norwich was just eight years old. It moved through her country again when she was 20 and twice more later in her life. She survived the plague that claimed the lives of a third of her fellow compatriots. Julian became an anchoress in the church in Norwich. Anchoresses were the spiritual contemplatives and hermits of the medieval church, which meant that Julian spent her days in isolation and contemplation and prayer. 
As an anchoress, she was one of the few women with spiritual authority in the medieval church. There were only around 200 anchoresses in all of England in the 200 years between the 13th and 15th centuries. Dame Julian, as she was called, lived a quiet life of contemplation and isolation for more than 20 years, though she did see visitors who came to her for spiritual counseling. Then, when she was 30 years old, Julian had a series of divine revelations in which she had visions of God and Jesus and the nature of existence. In one of these revelations, Jesus handed Julian something small and round the size of a hazelnut. And she said, what is this? And he responded, it is all that is made. Julian was afraid. What if she dropped it? What if something happened to this existence? in the palm of her hand, but Jesus reassured her. He said, it lasts and ever shall because God loves it. And so all things have their being in the love of God. Later, when Julian was reflecting on and interpreting the visions, she concludes about that hazelnut of all of existence. God made it. God loves it. God keeps it. Julian wrote her visions down in a book called Revelations of Divine Love, along with her reflections and understanding of what those revelations meant. It's the first book published by a woman in the English language, and it's still being read today as a powerful piece of theology and mysticism nearly 600 years later. Now, I know I just assured you that you didn't need to write the great American novel during this pandemic, so why am I telling you about Julian's world-changing bubonic plague accomplishment? I'm telling you this creativity in bubonic plague story because I want to reframe it, not as an accomplishment, but as an act of divine love. In the poem, Wild Geese, which was our reading for today, the poet Mary Oliver assured us, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. 
Maria Vashakidze, a Jewish-Russian immigrant to Portland, founded the Sea Grape Apothecary to focus on pleasure and beauty and community and embodiment and connection. She writes that bringing attention and intention back to pleasure has opened a space for her to feel expansive and joyful and creative again. In her practice, she focuses on simple pleasures, things like a smell, a warm blanket, a hot mug of tea. She asks her readers, how can this moment right now be more pleasurable and then she answers that question by listening to her own body. Maybe she needs a snack or to adjust the temperature or to take a deep breath. The practice has reconnected her to her body as well as improved her creativity and her art and her relationships. It's also helped her learn to genuinely rest. There's a link between letting the soft animal of your body love what it loves and your ability to create. A link between rest and aliveness. A link between the nourishment of fallow time and productivity. Instead of trying to push fertility or production, I want to invite you in to the space of allowing yourself to have a love affair with this moment right now. Some days, tuning into your body and your needs in this moment might look like rest, pure and simple. Maybe even some months the allowing might look like rest, knowing that rest is in and of itself creative. So what would be nourishing to you right now? What does the soft animal of your body love? Julian of Norwich's world-changing revelations of divine love did not come from forced production. Rather, they came after years and years of quiet contemplation and stillness. They were revelations of divine love for humanity, not insistence of insistence on humanity's perfection or goodness or production. Regardless of what we do, Julian famously wrote, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well because all of existence God made, God loves, and God keeps.
We don't just lie fallow so we can produce more or better in the future, however. We lie fallow because it's part of the natural rhythm of life, part of the existence that God made. We lie fallow because we need it, because it's part of our wholeness and well-being. In Unitarian Universalism, which is my faith tradition, we believe that every human being is inherently worthy and dignified. We believe that we believe that our worth is intrinsic to our humanity and not dependent on anything, including production. Our theology calls us back to recognize our value outside of production by resisting the impulse to drive ourselves through grief and pandemic exhaustion, by resisting the impulse to drive ourselves through the calls of our own body to rest, we live our faith. The Christian tradition teaches that all human beings are beloved children of God, beloved in our being, not our doing. We are beloved, you our beloved in our personhood, not as a consequence of what we produce. Small, simple pleasures, insistence on rest and living to exist, push against the empire of production They balance big, wild campaigns with the daily lived resistance of pleasure and rest. Stillness is not just the frame of the jazz notes. The notes are also the frame for the stillness. The day is also the frame for the night. The doing is also the frame for the rest. Stillness and notes together make music. They balance and they nourish one another. They are equally important. Both doing and being are our existence and they move with one another in the rhythm of the seasons, in the tempo of the day and the night and the movement of our lives. Sometimes it is time for production and sometimes it is time to let the ground lay fallow in the nourishing night. Whether you are preparing right now or whether you're rededicating yourself to what matters or whether you are reorienting yourself towards nourishment, I hope you find some space to honor what your body, mind, and spirit need in this moment right now. May nourishment Rise up from the dark and deep to meet you in fallow time. And may you know that you are beloved in your being, sacred in your very existence. 
May you do what you love, alive in this moment, with divine love for yourself and this world. May it be so, and amen.